0: Jamie and I with here on a Friday afternoon. We've already announced it, but uh, if you didn't hear it, we announced who's getting the, or who's playing for, not who's getting, who's playing for, even though producer Scott gave it a producer Scott guarantee that someone's going to score in the first 20 seconds on Saturday. But of course, uh, he's got no repercussions for being wrong. Kurt Matheson from Pilot Butte is the contestant for the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. So tomorrow, Kurt, if someone scores in one of the 13 NHL games in the first 20 seconds of the first period, he wins $1,900. If not, playing for 2000 next week. If you haven't registered your name, you should at cjme.com, c-k-o-m.com. But right now, we're going to talk some CFL football. And this came yesterday afternoon. Rick Westhead of TSN reported that the Toronto Argonauts quarterback, Chad Kelly, being sued for wrongful termination and harassment. The wrongful termination is for the Toronto Argonauts after a former coach alleges she was let go or not renewed for her contract based on confrontation. With quarterback Chad Kelly, who's she's suing for $50,000 for harassment. The story that she tells in this lawsuit and alleges is that several occasions Chad Kelly asked her out, continued to harass her, she continued to refuse, and then it escalated and then publicly accused her of being romantically involved with another team member on a team bus, in front of people on November the 5th of last season. She privately confronted Kelly about the incidents and then the harassment, she alleges, got worse. Louder, more verbal, in front of other employees. She reported this to her uh, strength and conditioning coach and assistant general manager John Murphy. And that's where we get into the wrongful termination part of this lawsuit. Either way, you cut it. It's complicated now for the Canadian Football League. J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation has been following this story over the last 24 hours. Uh, J.C., as you said, this could get messy as it lands on the desk of Randy Ambrosi.
1: Yeah, it has that potential. Now, any conversation of this troublesome situation needs to start out with the fact that these are simply allegations at this point. Um, What's put forth in the lawsuit has not yet been proven in court. Um, There will be, you know, due process that needs to happen here in order to confirm the circumstances and the facts of this particular case. Um, And certainly, we don't want to speculate on the validity for either side, because if this is true, it's it's horrible for the woman involved. And also we need to be cognizant of all the individuals involved with the, organ- the Argonauts organization that we're not throwing them all under the bus too early either. But if there is any validity to this, the CFL has set a pretty stringent precedent with how they've handled situations involving any sort of violence or harassment against women, and that has been blackballing players from the league, right? And and that has been in circumstances where there have been criminal charges pressed. I know people are familiar with the Jerome Messam situation in which that was the case, but also in circumstances where there have not been any criminal charges and in which there haven't even been uh, a civil lawsuit, like was the case with Nate Hawley a number of years ago. So the CFL has pretty broad discretion here uh, in the commissioner's office to do what they see fit if they see validity in in the accusations in this lawsuit. And to me, the precedent they've set with other players, of course players of, of much less notable standing than Chad Kelly, is if this happens, you cannot play in our league.
0: J.C. Abbott joining us of Three Down Nation. Uh, I want to go back to the name you mentioned in Nate Hawley. For those uh, not familiar with that case, uh, this was a a relationship uh, he had in which somebody on Instagram, uh, social media, detailed his harassment, um, screen grabs, things like that. As you mentioned, it never went to a criminal trial or anything like that, but this Canadian Football League... um, and he was the rookie of the year in the Canadian Football League, or a nominee anyways from the Calgary Stampeders, went, you cannot sign him. And that's precedent. Right there is precedent. It wasn't a criminal trial or anything. These were very, very awful accusations towards the player, never went through a court or civil trial, in which the CFL said, not a chance are you signing him. And that brings us to this. Like, how much have they because of that precedent and Randy Ambrose's precedent has put them in a pretty rock and a hard place here with how they're going to handle Chad Kelly through this court proceeding. And it could come down to, of course, a settlement of some sort where it actually never goes to trial.
1: Yeah, that's certainly the case, right? Now, there is no cut-and-dry regulation here, right? The, the commissioner has the discretion to make these choices, but what Randy Ambrose has set as a precedent throughout his tenure is that he is, is going to blackball players where this is the circumstance, right? And and Nate Hawley had situations in his past. There was a previous criminal trial for assault and kidnapping in which he was found not guilty, which preceded those allegations and preceded his time in the CFO, but undoubtedly led the league to be a little bit harsher on him. But we all know Chad Kelly's history as well, and while there's nothing on the record regarding women with him in the past, he's certainly not a guy who has earned himself the benefit of the doubt with his past actions. Now, the league could say... You know, there's not enough evidence here, the circumstance is unique, we don't want to lose Chad Kelly, and it's at the commissioner's discretion to do that, but if there is not some form of punishment for Chad Kelly, and indeed if they don't follow the precedent they've already set, if and if only there is validity to these claims, then they are opening themselves up to a lot of criticism not just from people who believe that Chad Kelly should be punished if this is true, but also from other players who have undergone similar circumstances and have been treated much more harshly. So as we watch this, the the CSO has to sort of walk a tightrope uh, in this circumstance with the level of notoriety that Kelly has on, on both sides of the border. And it's, I think, telling that while they've issued a statement Uh, In the aftermath of of Rick Westhead's report to Three Down Nation and other media outlets, they have not put out anything on their own social media channels at this point or issued any other public statement. So clearly they're circling the wagons right now and figuring out what their next step is going to be because they know all eyeballs are on them.
0: And in 2015, this was when Jeffrey Orge was the commissioner, the CFL established a uh, violence uh, against women policy in terms of harassment, sexual harassment, um, physical assault, those types of things. And in that policy, uh, when there are reports, teams are and individuals are supposed to put a report to the league's office. That is in the policy, and that is part of this case. Like already there is that aspect of it, is did the Toronto Argonauts follow proper protocol when this coach is alleging in this lawsuit she reported this. She had these conversations with people within the organization, and apparently, the CFL just found out about it yesterday when Rick West had posted it on TSN, or when he reached out for the, to them for comment initially on Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's mentioned specifically in the lawsuit that she alleges that the Argos did not follow that protocol. At this stage, we don't know exactly how high it went in the Argonauts organization or who was made aware. We know she alleges a conversation with assistant general manager, John Murphy, who has a uh, you know a checkered past in his own right and, and was recently off an indefinite suspension from the league uh, for an altercation with a fan and, and that her direct supervisor was informed. It's possible that this stayed with those two men. It's possible it went higher. We don't know the facts right now, but certainly it should have been reported by those people if she indeed informed them to the league office, and there should have been steps taken at that point. It does not appear that that was the case in any way, shape, or form.
0: And and this is always complicated on where they go from here. What's the ruling if these uh, accusations are true or as i said if the if it ends up in a settlement we'll we'll see where these charges in this case go but jc when i when i try to decide okay what's appropriate I, this is a workplace right mm-hmm. these are professionals mm-hmm. this is a professional workplace if i or you conducted ourselves in the alleged behavior that we are speaking of with chad kelly in this incident do you think either of us would be able to keep our jobs
1: i know i certainly would not be able to uh, and, and, and I think that's an important fact to note here, Jamie, is there's, there's a different burden of proof here and a different expectation. This is not a criminal case. It's not something that has to be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. And even beyond the civil case, the CFL has, as we've mentioned, set a precedent where they don't even need a large burden of proof, uh, in that she wins the civil trial. Even if there's a settlement, even if it's decided that she doesn't win her damages, the League could very well, through its own investigation, find that enough policies were violated that they believe there is an action that needs to be taken. That's what they have reserved the right to do. And certainly this is behavior that would not be acceptable in any Workplace, what is being alleged, and and a football team is no exception to that. I think this is a reckoning that we're having throughout society right now, and rightfully so. And and right now, the Toronto Argonauts are are in the eye of the storm because of of handling what is, you know, a, a very unique and largely unprecedented situation in this league.
0: That is J.C. Abbott. You can check out his work at Three Down Nation. and it'll be an interesting story to follow over the next days, weeks, maybe months, which had Kelly Toronto Argonauts with wrongful termination and harassment allegations in a lawsuit in Ontario. More to come here on the Green Zone, including we're going to check in on the uh, Saskatchewan rush. Robert Church will be in ahead of their game tomorrow night, SaskTel Center. They're on a two-game winning streak, climbing up the standings, trying to get back in the playoffs as we'll talk some lacrosse at five thirty-five right here on nine eighty C J M E and six fifty C K O
2: Moore.
0: Came and I with you here on a Friday. Well the story in the athletic is not music to the ears of Winnipeg Jets fans when Chairman Mark Chipman tells Chris Johnston of The Athletic that the team's future could be in jeopardy if attendance doesn't improve. The numbers are as follows. The Jets entered the league with a season ticket base of about 13,000 season ticket holders. That has dropped to 9,500. 27% decrease largely following the pandemic. The average attendance is 13,098 in Winnipeg. It's the second lowest in the league. Of course, the lowest is, of course, uh, Arizona, playing in a 4,600-seat Mullet Arena in Tempe. But Mark Chipman says he has personally been calling some of the former season ticket holders who didn't renew to ask them to return as it feels like there is a shift in Winnipeg and realizing that the play on the ice, and this is a good hockey team, isn't enough to get fans into Canada Life Center and especially fans to pay some big money for season tickets. The NHL says they are monitoring the situation in Winnipeg. And I can't for the life of me believe that there would be a threat to move the Winnipeg Jets when for years we have been watching what is playing out in Arizona. And we'll see how much work Mark Chipman and the Jets can uh, dig in and improve the attendance numbers at Candle Life Center. Welcome into the Green Zone on this Friday afternoon. Uh, It's been a mild week. Finally looks like snow's coming. That's good news uh, for the rural areas of our province as we just uh, saw the story of the Watershed Authority saying drought-like conditions maybe this spring, so this moisture isn't going to do enough. Uh, But, of course, anything will help as we uh, head into spring. Well, coming up tomorrow, the Saskatchewan Rush will try to make it three straight wins. Going back to a few weeks ago when we had Derek Keenan on the show, the general manager had announced that he was stepping back behind the bench as a co-coach with Jimmy Quinlan for the Saskatchewan Rush. They take on Halifax tomorrow. Robert Church of the Saskatchewan Rush is here with us. So I imagine it's not a coincidence uh, that... Uh, You have, or maybe it is that you've won two straight since Derek Keenan came back behind the bench.
2: Yeah, I mean, he brings a a calming presence to to the team, but, I mean, Jimmy's still doing everything he was doing before. Derek's kind of just, you know, there hanging around, but uh, Jimmy's definitely still the head coach and taking on that role. But, yeah, it's been nice to get uh, two big wins and, you know, kind of put ourselves back into uh, playoff contention.
0: What's it like? You've been a part of this organization now ten years. Derek's been a part of it behind the bench as and general manager. And what when you say calming presence, those types of things, what does it mean? Even though Derek has said, "Hey, this is still Jimmy's team. I'm just there to be more of the facilitator on strategy, in game philosophy, more than you know, being the offensive coach or the defensive coach or anything like that." what kind of changes were brought over the last few weeks with Derek uh, back behind the bench? Yeah, to
2: be honest, uh, not a lot. I mean, obviously him being around more and involved in practices and, you know, he's always got something positive to say or some insight for the group. But uh, but yeah, Jimmy's kind of kept doing things the same way. Um, he's gotten to focus a little more on offense and kind of not have, you know, his hand in everything and kind of focus on one thing and, Derek kind of oversee the game management a little bit, and then to leave you on defense. But, but, yeah, it's been good. Derek just, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I think me, Messenger, and, and Ryan are the only guys that have played for him. So, um, I mean, he's, he's a little different than he was in the past with being a little less involved. But, uh, yeah, it's been great having him. And, you know, he just brings that, that winning pedigree and success he's had in his career, and it kind of just makes guys feel positive when he's around
0: uh yourself uh ryan keenan mans have uh, jumped off uh the uh stat book anyways over the wins in panthers C- against panther city in vancouver um what have you seen offensively that's added a little bit more spark or maybe it's more the defensive game that stepped up for the rush with allowing just nine goals in the last two
2: yeah yeah both frankie's been awesome our defense has been has been really good and you know just offensively i think we're you know, we're maybe being a little more creative and trying some new things. If we're getting stale, Jimmy will call a play to kinda of get the feet going and try and get something going offensively. But yeah, those two have been uh they've been great all year. I mean, Man's being the new addition. We I've kind of played against him in the summer in the past and knew what he was capable of. And then Ryan I've been with quite a while and you know, he's taking out a bigger role this year and he's he's really excelled in it and he's he's you know, he's taking his game to another level, especially uh last week against Vancouver. He was massive in that win.
0: Robert Church showing us to the Saskatchewan Rush. Talking to General Manager Derek Keenan before the season, it was, yeah, there's a little bit more turnover uh, than there has been. As you mentioned, the guys who played for Derek are, you know, it's not even a handful uh, from the the, uh, the 10 years have gone by. What have you seen in this transition, this uh, not quite rebuild, but retooling, I guess you could say, of the Saskatchewan Rush, and has it taken some time to mesh?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we got a... A lot of young bodies on on defense and offense, kind of big turnover both ends, new goalies. So, I mean, I think besides the the Halifax game, I mean we've been in every game and had a chance to win every single one of them. And you know, I, I think we're we're right there. And I think maybe our defense is is starting to mesh a little bit and get on the same page. And they've been they've been awesome. But for the most part, all year they've been they've been really good. And our offense has been it's been decent. I think. Um, you've know, had some some good games but it can get better it gets stale at times and i i think we're just trying to learn from each other and building off each other and getting better and hopefully things keep moving forward
0: yeah two goal loss overtime two goals one goal are are you getting tired of these uh, close games uh, would, would, i guess the 13 to 9 or 13 to 9 win over vancouver was a welcome relief after a few close ones and unfortunately most of them losses in the first couple of months of the season
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, even the Vancouver, I mean, it's, uh, what a four goal win, but I mean, it was a tight game right till the bitter end, you know, until only the last five minutes, seven, eight minutes of the fourth quarter. And the Panther City one was, was a tight one too, where we got the win in the fourth quarter. And those are things you got to do in this league. Uh, the other games we lost, we were losing them in the fourth quarter. So we're just kind of learning how to win and knowing exactly what it takes to, to get a win in this league because it's a tight league and, you know, 90, 90% of the games are going to be, you know, one goal games or tight matchups right to the bitter end.
0: I imagine you got a good feel for, you know, the the room and the, the culture of a team. I know National Lacrosse League is a lot different than any other league where you guys leave and then come in for uh, a Friday to practice and get ready and then leave again. It's not like there's a lot of team bonding that can go into a, an NLL game, but, uh, or team, what are you seeing in just the culture in the room, the feeling around the room that, this should be a playoff team in twenty twenty
2: four yeah yeah we're uh we got a good really good dressing room we got a tight group um so yeah I mean I think it's just learning to win and going through these experiences and you know getting that feeling of of winning over losing and how much better it is and the effort it takes in practice, you know the the couple practices we get every weekend you gotta really take advantage of them if you if you want to win, but you know we' got a young group, a lot of new turnover, but you know, to be honest, it, it feels like you've been playing with these guys for a long time. Just, you know, you get your, your few days together, but, you know, you're together so much that you really get to know one another and, you know, you want to play for the guy next to you and, and get the wins as much as you can.
0: How hard have the last few years been for you, Robert? Yeah, it's been, it's been tough. I mean, I was lucky enough to be drafted into an organization that
2: was, you know, ready to win from, from day one of me being there and even before I was there. So, you know, 70 years of, going to the finals or, you know, kind of cruising your way through the regular season and kind of playing for the playoffs where, yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of an adjustment where, you know, training camp, you got to come in and, and build and build chemistry with the, you know, turnover we've had and then kind of grinding for every, every win, which is, you know, it's been fun though. It's been learning experience and I, you know, you just got to take your game to another level and kind of build with these guys and, you know, learn with a new group of guys. And yeah, I mean, I, Obviously, you like to win, but I'm still really enjoying my time with the team. Uh,
0: one uh, final note, and this is more NLL news this week with the New York Riptide moving to Ottawa. Your last uh, road trip to New York uh, is coming up in uh, March. But uh, is it, do, do you understand it? You've been to uh, New York to see they've been disappointed in their crowds, but how exciting is it that you have another Canadian franchise willing to step up in Ottawa to take on the NLL?
2: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, uh, I think we played in New York their first year, not the greatest crowds, but I mean, they got, uh, they got one of, if not the best player in the league and in that organization. So I mean, Otto would be pretty dumb to not uh, go watch that guy play because they don't come around with that skill level very, every, uh, very often with Def T. He's an incredible player. I've never played against him and you know, looking forward to seeing him play when we play them uh, a couple games in a row, but. Hopefully he doesn't uh, go off like he has been in these last five, six weeks against, against this whole league.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, Robert, uh, of course, uh, safe travels here to Saskatchewan, and uh, good luck on a Saturday SaskTel Center against the Halifax Thunderbirds trying to look for a little revenge from Game 1 of the season.
2: Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot.
0: That is Robert Church, uh, who's been on a bit of a tear, 11 points in those two wins for the uh, Saskatchewan Rush as they have won two straight since a little bit of a coaching change with Derek Keenan back behind the bench as a co-coach with Jimmy Quinlan. Of course, the action starts 7.30 tomorrow, Sastel Center. A reminder, as you head into the weekend, something you should ponder is heading over to cjme.com or ckom.com and nominating a great community coach. As the Green Zone Community Coach presented by CalTire, next week we are going to announce our first winner. Once a month, we are going to honor and pay tribute to a volunteer minor sports coach, but we need you to nominate them at cjme.com and ckom.com. So if it's someone who coaches your kid or someone you know around town who does a great job stepping forward, whether that be in basketball, curling, flag football, hockey, whatever the sport you can nominate them today at cjme.com ckom.com look for the green zone community coach presented by cal tire they'll be honored here on the green zone and be given a hundred dollar gift card to source for sports as well so get those nominees in this weekend we're announcing our first winner next week here on the green zone coming up next champs and chumps on 980 cjme and 650 ckom
2: to our are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on, you smashing.
0: You tried your best, and you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning.
2: You're an idiot. God, you're a bad person.
0: Each and every day here on the Green Zone, one champ and one chump. The chump. Goes to the head coach of the New Jersey Devils, Lindy Ruff. His power play has sucked lately in New Jersey. Do you know whose fault it is? Do you want to wager a guess on he who where he pointed the finger for his team's lackluster power play? And I quote, When you're struggling, and I imagine you've asked every player, now they're feeling it, you guys are creating <laughs> excess pressure. That's right. It's the media's fault for creating too much pressure on these poor athletes in New Jersey who make a minimum salary of $800,000 a year. Yes. It's the media's fault for asking the players what, and these are the questions that they get. What needs to change on the power play? What are you working on in the power play? Why? Why? do you think the power play isn't working? Those are really tough. Those poor NHL players facing questions about having one of the worst power plays recently in the National Hockey League. But Lindy Ruff, the media's fault. That'll always get a chump from me. Professional coaches saying, you guys put too much pressure on them, that's why we're bad. Come on. That is the lamest excuse in sports. And and it's the New Jersey Devils, like really. Out of the the Rangers get way more attention than the Devils do. You want to go to Toronto and the Ex- or the Edmonton Oilers on excess pressure? It's still pretty good teams. Austin Matthews doesn't seem to mind the pressure in Toronto. The scoring fifty two goals. I digress. The champ. And this is an amazing story and an amazing comeback. For someone, the Vancouver Canucks drafted 10th overall way back in the day. I remember he was one of the standouts for the world junior team. And a few years ago, Cody Hodgson retired from hockey. Didn't work out for the Canucks. Went a few other places. Buffalo didn't work out there. He kept on tearing muscles. And it was later he was diagnosed with something called malignant hyperthermia which is aggravated by, guess what? Intense physical activity. So Cody Hodgson's NHL career was done because of a rare, rare, rare disorder. But after eight years and rehab, he came back recently in professional hockey. He's back in the American Hockey League. And the other night, He scored a goal in his third game back. Can you imagine? Eight years away uh, from hockey, dealing with such a rare disorder, Uh, but Cody Hodgson is making a comeback and scored his first professional goal in eight years. There's our champ here on the Green Zone.